Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fearless. Divey's late night. You slept on my couch before. I gave you some good love every night. I made sure you had everything that you wanted. Now this new chick you own. She'll do right, she'll do right. You asked for gas money cause you never had. Always fun to have you on the show. To talk about. 
you know, these Braxton sisters like to throw glasses of wine. Unfortunately, a couple of the shows uh, that they've had, they've been feuding. And tonight, you're going to help me just talk about wine because it's just gotten so sophisticated over the last couple of years. And it seems like more and more reality stars are introducing their own signature brands of wine, too. And I, and I was at the store the other night, and I saw that rosé wine is taking up more and more of the inventory. So what can you tell me about rosé wine? Well, I can tell you a lot about the wine, but in terms of the celebrities that you've been talking about, one of my favorite rosés are from Brad Pitt and and his lovely wife, Angelina Jolie, and it's called Miraval. And Miraval is a rosé from Provence, and it, it comes in a beautiful bottle. So it's also like a great fit. Uh, gift to bring your valentine and um even if it's you know your girlfriend or you're married the rosé is just it's really beautiful it has a light pink fresh fruit aroma um and it and it's really actually good for a celebrity um we also have um a lot of rosés from long island wine napa wine um Long Island, last summer, there was a shortage of the wine and uh, in all the rosé categories, so that was like little, you know, all the celebrities were drinking it. But one of the things to note when you drink rosé is you can either have a dry rosé or a sweet rosé, and um, they come from different grapes, and um, a Syrah or Pinot Noir is a dry rosé. And a white Zinfandel or a pink Mosato will be a sweet rosé. So, but not not really sweet, right? We're not talking like a Riesling. We're just talking it has a sweeter taste. No, to it. no. We're just talking about the taste and the flavor. But w- whichever rosé you choose, um, they'll go both with a steak and a lobster. Um, rosé is very food friendly. Um, it's great to start you know, off as an appetizer, or you could drink it all the way through your meal, and it will hold up and be really fresh and fruity throughout the meal. You know, I was curious about that, because if you give people rosé at the beginning, like you said, like during cocktail hour, do you have to necessarily go to red, or, do, you know, can it go? Can I go to white, too? You know, or like you said, I could, I could serve it throughout my whole meal. Is there any rules to well, that? Yeah. What they say now is, you know, since so many wineries are producing rosés, um, and, and one winery I know is just doing a rosé and a red, um, that that it could stand up to your whole meal if that's what you choose to do. You know, especially summer entertaining. You know, that's when they say rosé is, is most commonly drunk. But when it's for holidays and you bring a pink bottle or like a, a slightly red bottle, of rosé to someone either as a gift or a party or you want to, you know, drink it as the first thing and Valentine's Day, it's totally appropriate. Um, and I, and and, I was and you, curious, is it, I, I was always under the assumption, and I'm sure some of my listeners are too, that rosé is made by blending white and red wine together. But that might not be true, right? Well, it, it can be made by that. Um, and it, it depends where, you know, you have Rosado with a D from Spain that's made from different grapes with Rosado with a T from Italy, which is also blush wine and rosé from France, from Bordeaux or Provence. So um, it depends how a winemaker chooses to blend the grapes. It might not only be you know, uh, a white Zin and a white Merlot, they might choose to put a little Grenache in there or, you know, however they choose to format the wine, a little Syrah. And and the skin of the grape, how long you leave it in with the juice of the grape determines how pink, red, or rosé the wine comes out as. The, the actual skin, yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated. Wine actually fascinates me, and I know it does you too because you've been an active board member on the DRI for several years. You host a big benefit. Actually, I think it's coming up in either March or May, and we should tell everyone you've been living with uh, type 1 diabetes for over 20 years. 
Yeah, 27 years, and, you know, I get very active um, in raising money for curing type 1 because that's, that's something if you can start to cure type 1, um, it, it would change a lot of people's lives, and, and, um, and maybe we don't make this a genetic disease anymore. You know, it's something that we could actually cure, especially in children, as you were turning, um, referring to before. Right, that's the Spare a Rose, Save a Child campaign. But tell me, since we're talking about being entertaining diabetics right now and enjoying wine, um, how do you manage to enjoy a glass or two of wine with your diabetes? Well, generally, um, when I drink wine, I try to tend drink with food. Um, so whether, even if it's like the appetizer or cocktail hour, I'll make sure that I have some sort of food with me, you know, because um, as you absorb the alcohol, it's better to absorb it with some kind of a meal. And and that works well for me. And also checking my blood sugar to make sure everything is balanced out, you know, during the evening. And, you know, you're a sophisticated woman living in New York City. So what do you carry in your bag? What's your go-to items in your in your bag when you're going out either hosting the um, Harlem Eat Up event or going to the ball you're going to be hosting, I think, in, uh, is it March May or 5th. May 5th? It's, what do what you carry yeah. in your bag, Samantha? Um, well, I keep the lovely glucose tablets in my bag just for emergencies. And, um, and sometimes I bring a juice box with me. Very, you know, doesn't really go with wine all the time. But apple juice really does the trick for me. And uh, and I'm very careful, you know, to check my blood sugar before I, you know, before I uh, start drinking. And I'm sure you like to dress up. You know, later on the show, we're going to be talking about stylish um, high heels and uh, how you make them, how they're foot friendly, because a lot of shoes today aren't necessarily foot friendly for women. So we're going to be right. talking to a podiatrist as well as our style advisor about what are some of the hottest trends going on right now and which ones women should avoid and which ones maybe they want to slip on for a night out. But tell us a little bit more about, um, let's go back to rosé wine, and tell us a little bit more about your top three sure. choices uh, for rosé right now. Well, if you're going to go for champagne, um, I would go for my favorite is Laurent Perrier Brut Rosé, and it's very light champagne to something more like a value sparkling wine or champagne. Um, if you look at any Napa winery, um, you'd actually find really, really good values. There's a company called Hecton Banier that makes an $18 rosé, um, and and I really recommend that. That's very easy to drink. It goes with a lot of different foods. Um, there's there's even a Mulderbosch rosé from South Africa that's only $12. So, you know, you can run the gamut of, of price in terms of how much you want to say. I, the Miraval ranges from $25 uh, on up to $235, but the $25 bottle is, is fairly affordable. Um, there's another chateau called Chateau Declin, um, D-apostrophe-E-C-L-A-N-S, um, which really broke through on the rosé market, um, and it, it's very Hamptons friendly. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm actually going to go to the wine <laughs> store later on tonight. <laughs> Well, thank you for being a part of the show. You know, later on we're going to be talking to Charlie's Angels of Outreach about managing your diabetes with alcohol. But you could hear from our diabetic Samantha, hey, you can enjoy the best things in life, Samantha, right? With diabetes, you could go out, have a great time, New York City, uh, the yep. Hamptons, and it doesn't, it doesn't crash the party. It certainly doesn't. You just have to be responsible and, you know, take your blood sugar and know your body. That's the most important thing. You know, know how you personally react to things. You know, and uh, and and you, how you work with food and other things. Great advice. Well, thank you for being on the show tonight. All right, everybody, listen. Our February Divabetic inspiration, Tamar Braxton, Tamar Braxton says the phrase "working" uh, takes the phrase "working mom" to a whole new level. She's a wife, mother, a singer, talk show host, reality star, and a fashion designer. I mean, when does she have time? Uh, 
here's a song about breaking the cycle of heartbreak from this very busy, talented, stylish, working mom. Take a look at myself in the mirror With these tears streaming down my face Thinking how did I let myself get here When I know I should have walked away Cause I'm sick of the same thing Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek, and tonight we're featuring the music of Tamar Braxton, who developed her own collection of clothing featuring trendy dresses, matching tops and bottoms, and studded heels. Now it's time to meet another stylish diva who happens to be living with type 2 diabetes from the musical city of Nashville. Please welcome Morelia. Hello, Morelia. Hi, how are you? I'm I'm doing exceptionally well because I'm excited to welcome you back to the show. You were on a couple years ago, and you know tonight we're really going after that whole diva diva fab fabulous life, living out loud, living large, and you're all about sparkles to me. So I wanted to have you back on the show. I'm glad to be back. It's always fun. Now, um, a lot's been going on with you and your health since we talked a couple <laughs> years ago. Can you kind of fill in listeners about? Uh, some of the successes and struggles you've had over the last couple of years? Yes, most definitely. I mean, in just, you know, any time with, with an illness such as diabetes, you know, there are ups and downs and just getting to know your your body and how to, how to react with it. And I went through some, you know, emotional, physical, and financial changes and then bounced right back up as I usually do and sparkled just even more if ever and you know you just really get to get to get to know yourself i you know i went ahead and i i actually had dka which is what one thing we try to avoid is diabetics but you know at some point you know i had to you know start thinking about myself more than i was thinking of everybody else and take time for me and you know that's exactly what i've been doing over a period of years you know, slowly I've been able to give myself more and more time. Even when I was working, I cut my hours back and just really focused on me and I allow myself to be me everywhere and everything I do. No, I love that. And I know one of the things that you and I talked about um, about a week and a half ago was that you kind of changed your whole health care team as well over this course of the time, and you kind of found an interest, a doctor who really has helped you. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I've been very blessed. I've always told everyone my thought process of diabetes is, was a blessing. Some may not see it that way. I've always looked at it as a blessing. I uh, I met a doctor many years ago. Um, I'm going to say it like over 15 years ago or so. I've been living with this disease that I've been aware of. And, um, you know, I through my terrible contributions in life, giving and doing a lot of charity work, is how I met this uh, particular doctor, and he's taken his time and had someone such as myself go to him when we're having struggles when you can't get insurance, or if you do get insurance, it costs the arm and the leg, and, you know, I've gone through that on a financial sense where I lost a lot of things because of my health, and, you know, and it's just, just to know that there's someone out there that believes in you, and... And, 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 you know, I actually, I live my life to the fullest. I've never allowed this disease to stop me from anything that I do. If anything, I think it enhances everything that I do, to be honest with you. And having a doctor do such as Dr. That? Fowler. How do you see that? Because someone uh, else is, you know, you talked about being hospitalized, and I know there's a lot of listeners out there who a lot of times get depressed and down and these unexpected highs and lows um really, you know, take their breath away and kind of do something to their uh, attitude. So I'm just wondering, like, how, how, do you, how do you keep saying it's a blessing? Like, what really motivates you to keep going every day? Well, of course, if anything, laughter. And if, if those who know me, you know, I'm true to that. And, you know, I just 
you know, I I always have my, I'm like my mother. I never leave the house without my lipstick. You know, I have lipstick on. I try to make myself, when you're down, you know, to lift myself up if it's putting on my pink or red lipstick, uh, you know, putting on a fun pair of shoes or just add a little sparkle to myself like I do. And I allow myself to be me. And, you know, and, it, you know, growing up, I, you know, when you're different and creative, I always feel that, you know, you go through a lot of challenges where people don't understand. And I feel like I'm a person that I'm meant to train these other people who don't understand it by showing my strong attitude. By the way, I kind of put another spoof in my step. You know, I I want to put my fun shoes on to make me feel better, you know, if it gives me a little hype for the day. And when I'm feeling down or frumpy, you know, I have my high heels on. makes me feel, you know, I got a little bit more stride my, you know, walk or a little shake <laughs> or what have you, so, you know. So style, personal style does play a role in your attitude. It does. It has to, you know. And and I'm very true to who I am and everywhere I go. And when I travel, I bring a part of me everywhere I go. Because sometimes I feel like sometimes when people travel, you're very limited and I don't and I don't allow that. Just like, you know, when I go out I have fun purses, fun shoes, fun whatever. I I still find ways to accommodate my health, you know, to carry my insulin pin, which, you know, I'm grateful for insulin pins as opposed to syringes, uh, you know, I've been a little bit more modest about, you know, using it but before when I was I was more I had a hard time with it, you know, you know, I felt it was an inconvenience, you know, it was hard, you know, and trying to, you know, go through those changes and, you know, to me the pin is like the easiest thing, you know. I lift up my skirt and, you know, or whatever I need to do to give me a shot, you know, before I eat and, you know, I actually have fun with it. And it becomes very conversational. I get more people that are intrigued by my attitude with it as opposed from before when you know, I really had a hard time with that. And, you know, I just like anybody with this disease, you learn by trial and error and get to know you and your body. I love it. I love your attitude. And I wanted you on the show for a specific reason, Morelia, <laughs> because I love mm-hmm. playing games. And tonight we're debuting our newest style game. It came from our fabulous diabetic image and style advisor, Catherine Schuler. It's called Which Shoe Do You Do? And I'm going to ask you a style question. And um, you're, we're going to ask for your answer. But first, I thought we should meet our panelist for the night. We have joining us, she's back, everybody. We're so thrilled to have her back, uh, the iconic Catherine Schuler. Hello, Catherine. Hey, Max. <laughs> and Catherine, because we're talking about shoes, I thought we should bring in a fabulous podiatrist. So we have making her debut on Diabetes Late Night Dr. Monique Renee Roll. Hello, Dr. Monique. Yay. <laughs> All right, so um, Morelia, you guys just heard, she lives in the musical city of Nashville. She likes a lot of rhinestone and bling, and you heard how she doesn't let her diabetes uh, get her down. She actually gets diva. So she uses a lot of style. So, Catherine, when you came up with this game, we decided that we wanted to give women uh, and men who are listening the opportunity to kind of infuse fashion with their health. And, Dr. Monique, you agreed to come on and help us try to uh, make our lives sensational but not make our feet sore. So uh, uh, this is a completely interactive game. Uh, Morielia, I sent you the picture today. Um, What what Morielia had was a choice of three shoes. We sent her a picture because we took – we put it on the Facebook page at Diva Bag, just so you know, everybody. And in honor of Go Red, National uh, Wear Red Dress Day is actually this Friday, February 5th. We pair, we have a red dress on our mannequin, and Catherine gave three shoe options. Right, Catherine? Let, yep. Tell them what the shoe options are. Well, one of them is uh, the sky-high stiletto with the platform with a lot of bling on it. Uh, the other one is a gold that's going to match the belt. Um, it's a little bit more of a kitten heel, uh, but a pointy toe, uh, more of a dorsay look, which is kind of an open in- in- internal uh, part of the shoe is kind of open and showing some foot skin. And the third one is a very comfortable um, stacked heel 
with a rounded kind of semi-rounded toe uh, in just a plain black leather, which is probably one of those utilitarian chic kind of shoes that you need in your wardrobe at all times. And, um, you know, you have to co combine comfort and style, and they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> and all three shoes, we should say, are are pretty good options for the dress. But, Morelia, tonight you're playing to win a pair of complimentary shoes from Earth Brand Shoes. If you guess the correct answer, which Dr. Monique <laughs> has already decided. Now, you saw the picture, did you not, Morelia? Yes, I did. All right, so hold on, because before we find out your decision, we're going to give a quick shout-out, courtesy of Tamar Braxton, to all the shoe lovers in the world. Here we go. I picture you running through the back of your closet right now just pulling out shoes trying to figure out what to get but I did alright so um, further new shoes from Earth Brand Shoes please I'm going to give you a drum roll and then you can tell us if you chose uh, shoes A option A option B or option C again if you're listening right now you could go to Divabetic's Facebook page or to our Divabetic website and see the shoe options that we're giving her tonight we're ready for your answer Which one did you well, choose? Well, if I could, I, I, which, you know, as most women, I do own all three. Uh, <laughs> of course, my preference would be the shoe number one, which is probably not the best shoe to wear, but I would wear anyhow and have a backup in my purse for the end of the night. <laughs> oh, all right. We're on, ah, Dr. you're strategizing Monique. your shoes. We love that. Dr. Monique, what do you want to say? She chose the red uh, this is a popular shoe. You see it everywhere, this high-stacked heel, red, uh, jeweled, sequin shoe. Well, my option, the functional option is the black shoe at the bottom. Mm. However, <laughs> <laughs> however, most women have all three, including myself, but... In order to be functional and to not be limping and to have, you know, more functional shoe, I'd say the black. So. Mm -hmm. All right. So, but, so she's saying to go with the black stacked heel. What are some of the tips when looking for shoes that women should look for, especially women with diabetes? Because foot issues are a big problem for our mm -hmm. community. Yes, and I absolutely love this question because I get asked this question all the time. And actually, I even addressed it on my blog on LansdownPodiatry.com. Um, but one of the – there's several things. I mean, first of all, shoe wear should be comfortable. And I know a lot of times a lot of women feel the dilemma of trying to sacrifice comfort and uh, for fashion. But you can actually have both. You know, these mm -hmm. days there are a lot of shoes out there that actually combine both. And you can actually be functional and comfortable. But what you should look for, you definitely should look for comfort, number one. Um, you want to look for something, a heel height that is not super high. But if you do have to wear a heel, I would not recommend anything really higher than two inches. Mm -hmm. um, materials are important. You definitely want to go with something that is leather or something over the toe box that is a little stretchy so that you're not constricting your toes into a small toe box. Um, you know, also trying on shoes towards the end of the day is important because most of our feet are going to swell towards the end of the day. And you also want to try on both shoes at the same time because one foot is maybe slightly bigger or smaller than the other. Um, but basically, you can combine comfort, you know, with style. You don't have to sacrifice one for the mm -hmm. other. Uh, I don't tell my patients never to wear heels because I just don't think that's realistic, and most people are not going to listen to that anyway. So <laughs> have I to always wear tell heels. everyone just to wear the highest heel you can stand in, you know, and, you know, if you have to strategize your shoes, put a lower flat or something in your bag so you're mm -hmm. not stranded. <laughs> exactly. I mean, right, if you have to wear for a little while, right, you shouldn't be wearing them all day long, but have a backup pair like a ballerina flat or something that you can transition to. But the key is, your feet should not be hurting to wear a pair of shoes. If you're having to go through a painful, you know, procedure just to put a pair of shoes on, then you shouldn't wear them. 
And and the wrong shoe really could cause a lot of health issues uh, for your feet as well as your overall health, correct? I mean, yes, we exactly. see a lot of women suffer from, what are some of the common things that women suffer from with feet? Right, and namely diabetic female patients, you know, those of us, you know, of them that have um, what's called neuropathy, where you might not have a full awareness or sensation of your feet, it's very critical to make sure that you're wearing a shoe that fits correctly. And that's no laughing matter because if you can't feel something, you could get a blister, which could lead to something more serious. So it's really important as a diabetic female patient that wears heels or to have a, a pair of shoes that can be cute, very sexy, comfortable, but also be sensible. So maybe the toe box, instead of being super pointy, can be a little bit square or rounder. Um, again, something stretchy in the forefoot. Um, that's very important. And then inspect your feet. If it's the first time you've worn a new pair of heels, definitely want to take them off, you know, and check your feet. Take a visual look about, you know, at your feet. And wear hosiery. Uh, you know, the struggle is in the summer, it's hot. You don't want to wear stockings or tights or something thick. But you definitely want to wear a, a nylon or something to protect between your skin and your actual shoe to prevent um, you know, blisters or corns or anything of that nature. And one of the things I like about the Earth Brand shoe that's our sponsor is that it tilts you back. It doesn't jam your toe down into the uh, the toe box if it's a little pointier. So it t- tilts you back like 3.7 uh, degrees. So you're actually back off uh, that the ball of your foot. And, Catherine, I want to ask you a style question based on this. So I know we have this red dress that we're showing because of uh, Wear Red uh, this Mm -hmm. month. And uh, it seems like anything goes today. You partnered it with a red shoe, a gold shoe, and a black shoe. Is there? It seems like you could wear black shoes with almost anything, but I was kind of curious with what's going on with metallics. Is that a new trend we're seeing? Well, it's, I mean, metallics are, are here to stay, um, and it's a great option even for the daytime uh, if it's not quite as shiny. But, um, you know, you can put a dress like that with a little jacket and maybe even wear a boot because there's that, that style going on now that the cocktail dress with the boot. So if you wanted to wear um, a lower, you know, heeled boot, that would be a great option with that if you just can casual, you know, made it a little more casual with a jacket, changed the belt. So that's actually a quite functional dress. And one of the questions we got on the blog uh, for you, Catherine, was when mm-hmm. do you when do you wear a sand, open toe versus a closed toe shoe? Is it based on the length of the dress? Is it based on the season? You know, when do you know a sandal is better than a, a pump or vice versa? Well, sandals are, you know, kind of verboten, aren't they, um, Dr. Monique? It's, you know, the, if you if you would stub your toe or chip, you know, maybe put a little dent, in, you know, a little nick in your foot, you would not be able to feel it, and an infection would ensue. So um, my rule for that would be probably the only time you could wear open-toed shoes would be indoors at a party where there's no uh, gravel or sidewalks or any kind of uh, dirty sidewalks that you're walking on. But the the rule of thumb in general, if you're wearing a sandal, it's a much dressier look. Um, so the open toe without nylons, you'd have to do an open toe shoe that has those one-toed uh, um, uh, tights or pantyhose uh, because I cannot stand those. <laughs> um, when you have sandals and you actually have those st- the stockings and the foot is in the stocking and the, the it, it it really is quite unsightly. So I love a great manicured, safe manicured foot um, with uh, with a sandal and a great nail polish on your toe and very neatly uh, pedicured f- foot, but. Um, uh, you know, no. Uh, I would say for the for the most part, the the sandal is a dressier a dressier look, and it probably would be best for indoors, and uh, especially for our divabetics who um, you know want to want to make sure that the neuropathy problem is not exacerbated. And Dr. Monique, she just mentioned pedicures. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of women love those, mm-hmm. so do men, uh, mm-hmm. but. Men and women with diabetes, there's there's got to be a few rules mm-hmm. to having a pedicure for our community. Yes, for sure. I mean, one of the things you definitely you should always mention to your nail tech or your pedicure is that you do have diabetes. You know, I definitely discourage using any type of sharp implements 
I mm. eat cuticle nippers or those little uh, like uh, callus exfoliators that have a blade on them. Mm. Yeah. Only because, again, you know, uh, most diabetics are sensitive to infection. The diabetic foot, quote unquote, is a very different than the person without diabetes. So I'm not against pedicures. However, it's just very much. You know, it's much safer to avoid using sharp implements. So, you know, the cuticle is there to protect actually your nail plate from infection. So, you know, you really shouldn't be touching those. Um, but, of course, getting them is not a bad thing, but you definitely want to work, be aware of um, water temperature and, you know, um, just things of that nature. Burns, if you have neuropathy, you're not going to feel if the water is too hot or a hot towel or a paraffin wax. You know, it's not that you can't have fun, but you just want to take the proper precautions. And, of course, see your podiatrist if you have any concern or whether or not you should, you're even a candidate to get a pedicure. Mm. It seems to me, though, Dr. Monique, because uh, we've had podiatrists on the show before, it's pretty common for people to overlook foot problems and wait mm-hmm. a while before they actually seek out a foot doctor. I'm just, yeah. what, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, a lot of it, I, I believe, is rooted in fear. You know, of course, you know, I, I have diabetic uh, family members, and the the biggest concern of most people is, is, you know, amputation. Everyone is afraid of losing a toe or fearful of the potential of that happening. So I think what keeps a lot of people away is just the fear of the unknown or the fear of what the doctor may tell them that they may not be aware of. So I think just getting the fear out of out of the way and just, Basic education, you know, diabetes is, a, is an epidemic in this country, in this world, and just getting the word out about what it is, you know, that we do and having your routine follow-ups. I think the key is the routine maintenance and not waiting until there's a problem. And if you have a question, you should have a, a rapport with your podiatrist that you can come in and ask a question, and it's better to be told everything's fine rather than to wait and then be told you know, some some bad news. So just the routine follow-up is what I would stress more than anything for a, a female diabetic patient or any patient. And, Morielia, this was a trick question because I asked Catherine Schuler to put in a pair of rhinestone pumps because I thought we would trick you into picking them <laughs> because uh, rhinestones are pretty much part of your bloodstream. You've, uh, you have a pretty amazing lineage in Nashville that I don't think we've ever talked about before. Uh, tell us a little bit about the rhinestone Rembrandt, and um, who your father and grandfather are. Well, my grandfather was a Kiev Jew from Kiev, Russia, who came into Ellis Island and started off with his older brother making rhinestone G-strings for burlesque dancers. <laughs> and his name, his born name was Nutka Korklianko, given the name Nudie Cohen. Of course, he did things in New York and traveled until he made it to Hollywood, and he was making clothes for all the entertainers. Anyone or of anyone was in and out of our place of business. We did Elvis, all the all the westerns, all the rock and rollers. You know, we did the Lone Ranger, so forth. My father, Manuel, is from Mexico and came into the United States when he was in his early twenties. Ended up working for the studios and many people, and. What happened is that he was introduced to work for Nudie because he was so advanced of his trade. And that's, of course, where he met the boss's daughter, or I'm the child of that marriage. Uh, And I've I've pretty much lived a pretty much rhinestone predigree life. Uh, I even have a rhinestone tattooed on my foot, Uh, (laughs) to be exact. uh, So I'm kind of permanently rhinestoned. But... uh, um, but it, it's a very great history. There was a, you know, they both came from two different countries and came into the United States and pretty much the American dream to, you know, to have the opportunity to become famous and to to do such wonderful things. And there's so much history. I mean, anything that you see on TV or watch or listen to music of some sort or another. Have, my family have been involved somewhere, some form, in creating these careers and image and imagery and and yeah. Your you know, father worked with thing. Edith Head. Your grandfather did yes. the jumpsuits for Elvis, which is my favorite. But your uh-huh. dad worked with Johnny Cash. They did yes. the mask uh-huh. for the Lone Ranger. I mean, you should definitely check that out. 
You know, before I reveal what you win for helping us raise awareness tonight, we have a couple more divas on the phone. So, Dr. Roll, I mean, Dr. Monique Roll, we're going to see if they want to ask you some questions in a minute. But first, uh, Moriella, for playing tonight's game and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way, Catherine Schuler has helped us get a free pair of shoes for you, compliments of the foot-friendly sponsor, Earth Brand Shoes. Plus, you're going to receive a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket filled with an assortment of delicious low-fat cheeses, and Dr. Greenfield's diabetes lotions and products, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin. Wow, sounds great. <laughs> no rhymes, they're all rhymes. All right, let's see. Um, let's see if Cindy Lou has a question for Doctor Monique. Hi, Cindy Lou. Hi. Do you have any questions you want to ask our foot doctor, the fabulous Doctor Monique? I do. I would really like to know a little bit more about the pedicure situation. Is it important that we take our own tools when they're going to pedicure our feet, or is it okay to? Trust that they did the correct procedures. Yes. Hi, Miss Lou. First of all, I love your accent. I have to say, I'm from the <laughs> South, also. So, shout out to my Southerners. Uh, but yes, I mean, that's definitely an option that you can do. Um, but if you know the salon is following the proper guidelines, you should. You don't have to. But if it makes you feel more comfortable, you can. I mean, obviously, if you you know bringing your own, no one else has been using the tools. The only thing I would say about using your home tools is that the benefit of the salon is that they have a, a sterilizer or even some cases an autoclave where they're able to properly clean the instruments with using medical-grade solutions. Um, if you've been leaving them at home, sometimes, you know, bacteria, dust, and dirt can collect, and you bringing them from inside your home into the salon back and forth, you actually, in some cases, may not be doing yourself a service, you know, a, a, a service, so... I recommend if you go to a, a clean salon that's following the, the guidelines of the state and, you know, the Board of Health and whatnot, what they have to follow, you should be fine using theirs. Um, but certainly with nail polishes, um, I do recommend there's some polishes out there that have antifungal properties that you can use that will help decrease the probability of getting a nail fungus um, or even using your own nail polish. I, I would recommend that. But as far as the implements, um, they should be really using single use on each client um, in proper and ideal situations. I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much. But can you tell me the antifungal, can you tell me a brand name of the polishes? Um, <laughs> I do not endorse a particular name, but I can give you a couple of names. Again, I don't endorse anyone, but there are some podiatrists that actually may sell them in their office. Uh, let's see. I think I'm trying to think offhand the name of it. Can or do tell you, you want to send them to me later and we'll put it on the blog? Yeah, yeah I can send it to you later and send the blog. But it's called Dr. Remedies, actually. One is Dr. Remedy, and there's a couple others that can give you a couple of names. I don't want to shout out just one name, but there's a, sure. there's a few. All thank right. Well, you. thank you, Cindy Lou, for being a part of the show. Leslie's from New York. She's been on several times. She's actually one of our longest uh, diva medics. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Max. Uh, do you have any questions for Dr. Monique? No, they pretty much answered everything I was thinking of. All right. Well, good to hear. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in tonight. Dr. Monique, I know you're a Tamar. Are you a Tamar Braxton fan? I am. I love Tamar. I'm a Tamarson. <laughs> I love her. Oh, you are. All right. Well, you know, I met them. Uh, they sing. They were on the road with Luther Vandross. They opened for us a couple times at the time when I met them. She was performing with her sisters, the Braxtons, and one of the big songs they were doing was "The Boss." By uh, they did a cover of Diana Ross's song. But right now, Tamar's mother and reality star Nene Leakes are in her music video for the next song we're going to play, which is called "If I Don't Have You." It's courtesy of Sony Music. I I have to tell everyone I really have enjoyed listening to this album. Let's hear Tamar.
Welcome back to Divey's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and our diva inspiration is Tamar Braxton. And uh, Tamar was on Dancing with the Stars earlier this year, but because of health reasons, she had to drop out. Plus, her family history, uh, there's a lot of health issues going on, along with her older sister, Tony. She has a younger sister named Tracy, and then her husband, Vince, even had some issues. So here to help me kind of break down the Braxton family is our one and only Patricia Addy Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. Thanks for having me. I know they're from Maryland, but they also seem to be, uh, some of them seem to be in Atlanta, uh, the Braxtons, that is. And the first one I wanted to talk to you about was Tracy Braxton, because Tamar doesn't have diabetes, but her sister Tracy has type 2 diabetes. Uh, yes, uh, Tracy has been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which affects uh, quite a few African-American women. So that's um, one of the common things that we see in the U.S. these days. And it was interesting. I did some inter- uh, some reading about her, and she said her sisters were really the first ones to get on her because she started to gain some weight, and they um, – they kind of held a family intervention. I guess there's five sisters, and so uh, they got together and they they really uh, spoke to her about her health, which kind of urged her to make some changes in her life. And that's quite true. In type 2 diabetes, we do see um, a lot, a high percentage of people with that diagnosis having weight problems and uh, longstanding issues with the weight. Uh, the weight tends to add that insulin resistance component and um, makes the person not able to utilize the insulin that they are making as well as it should be utilized, therefore uh, rendering them to um, potential for the extremely high blood sugars. Now, in her specific interview, she mentioned that, uh, we're talking about Tracy Braxton, everyone, she mentioned that uh, she went to her doctor because she was borderline diabetic. I hear this term a lot. I know our listeners are familiar with it, too. What is that term? Is it uh, real or is it exaggerated? Well, it's exaggerated, and in the diabetes industry of educators, it's a term that we do not use. Uh, We feel that when a person feels they have borderline diabetes, then it's something that they pay little or no attention to. Uh, Borderline diabetes, as it was called a few years ago, we now have a term that we use um, as pre-diabetes. People tend to take that a little more seriously, and they strive to bring those blood sugars in better control. So management is key, whether you think you have borderline or whatever your thought processes may be, the key is to keep those blood sugars within the target ranges. Once they escalate, um, it's real hard to get back under control. So eating properly, the weight loss, keeping the weight at a reasonable rate, uh, also the exercise, and just generally living good, healthy lifestyle is key component of managing diabetes. Now, you've been a registered nurse, certified diabetes educator in the Atlanta, Georgia area for several years now. How do people react to these terms? I mean, do you think that patients do better when they're told it's borderline or when they're told it's more serious with a prediabetes? Which one uh, excites and ignites their interest in taking charge of their health? The use of the term prediabetes certainly has more impact than telling someone they have di- uh, borderline diabetes. Prediabetes tends to get their attention and ignite and motivate them to do something different. And I uh, always let them know that borderline is just the same thing as saying you have borderline pregnancy. Eventually, nine months later, in pregnancy, of course, you have delivery. And so eventually, if you continue your same lifestyle with, with borderline or prediabetes, you will have full-blown diabetes. All right, I like that. All right, let's move on to Tamar Braxton and her husband, Vince. So Tamar was in Dancing with the Stars. She uh, dropped out because of health issues. Uh, what were they and what was that about? 
uh, Tamar had some um, some issues with her health, and she did drop out of Dancing with the Stars. The primary thing that, you know, she did have a rib removed because of the um, compression of some of those major arteries. And those arteries uh, tend to have, if when, when they compress, it causes some nerve damage and tingling and numbness in fingers and in the... Um, well, in, in the upper arm region and down the fingers. And she also has lupus. So those two um and Tony has lupus. Tony Braxton has oh, lupus. That's true. It's Tony with lupus. But uh, Tamar had the rib removed for the condition that she was diagnosed with, which is, um, I, I'm trying to think of the name right now, but it is. Um, Thoracic outlet syndrome. Thoracic, yes the thoracic uh, outlet disorder. And she has, uh, and that they took out that rib because they wanted to give her, because she wasn't breathing, right? Is that, it was a higher rib. It wasn't a lower rib. Am I wrong? Yes, it, it's the higher rib. The rib that um, does have a lot of, a lot to do with, like I say, it, it causes the tingling and numbness down the arm. So it's one of the higher ribs. And the interesting thing to note is she actually uh, she actually brought in a um, spiritual counselor when she was going through this as part of her entourage because she knew that faith played a big role in how quickly she would heal. And I thought that was kind of an interesting um, a way to approach that is actually seeking outside help to help her and her family uh, deal with this because she was hospitalized. It was. Uh, considered quite serious and and because she had that she said on her show the real that she stayed very positive and upbeat throughout it now you also mentioned her older sister uh tony braxton who anyone who's in old school loves tony braxton uh she came out earlier this year she just uh did the lifetime movie on break my heart and then it she documents that she did have lupus which i understand is a chronic disease can you just tell us a little bit about it Yes, lupus is a chronic disease, and it's one of those autoimmune conditions um, that affects generally women age 40 or a little, you know, in that range, 35 to 40 is usually when it's diagnosed. And it is uh, autoimmune, meaning that it attacks the immune system. Um, the healthy cells just don't recognize the cells kind of turn against each other, and it can attack any part of the body. It is one of those things that is not easily diagnosed. A lot of the symptoms include being fatigued, some of those things that we see in so many conditions. And so uh, shortness of breath, of course, um, and like I said, easy fatigue. Sometimes there's a low blood count, but it's something that's not easily diagnosed at all. All right, thanks for that. And now I just want to go back on what we heard tonight on the show. Um, Morelia told us about DKA, and also Samantha and I were talking earlier about managing uh, diabetes with alcohol. So first let's take on um, DKA. Uh, what does that mean, and uh, what was she experiencing? And then we'll bring uh, Morelia on again, too. Maybe she wants to add some insight after you tell us what it is. Okay, uh, DKA is diabetic ketoacidosis, and it's when the body's pH is very acidic. So we call it ketoacidosis. Most people who experience um, DKA with diabetes are type 1, and they experience this because the body is not able to utilize insulin whatsoever. So the blood sugars are extremely high. It causes uh, fruity, acidic-smelling breath and shortness of breath because that's the body's uh, mechanism of trying to compensate and get rid of the acid. So the shortness of breath, but they do have those deep kind of respirations that look very labored. And so um, when DKA occurs, the only way that you can treat it and get it uh, your diabetes under control is with insulin, and 99% of the time you're going to be given some intravenous uh, fluids and insulin therapy to bring those blood sugars back where they should be. DKA is very serious. It can lead to comas. It can lead to seizures and even death. 
All right, Moralia, you just heard that. What was your, can you just give it, fill us in a little bit on your experience with it? Did, were you treated with insulin? <clears throat> yes, I was. Um, <clears throat> initially, I had been off uh, some of my prescriptions, and I was doing quite well, and I stayed at a plateau for a very long time. And then I had a couple of things going on in my life personally, and just not putting all focus on me at the time. And I had um, I didn't even know what I had initially because uh, when I went to the hospital, uh, it wasn't diagnosed immediately the first time I went. I went to the hospital more than once. In fact, I was on my way driving to the hospital. I mean, I talk about this in a humorous way. I actually got pulled over because I was driving a little erratically. I didn't even know what was going on with me, that my voice was slurring and so forth, that I I was on my way to try to get myself to the doctor's office because I felt something was not right, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And <clears throat> I had been extremely dehydrated, you know, to the point where I was, you know, vomiting and basically fluids weren't really helping at this point. Um, it definitely put in, you know, a major awakeness to me, of course. And and ever since then, I, you know, just really putting the more focus that I needed to do back on myself where a lot of times in life we forget about ourselves, you know, and put everybody else uh, up front. But, um, I mean, none of my actual... Uh, immediate organs have ever been uh, damaged through the diabetes, I mean, of any sort. So I've been very fortunate of that. Uh, You know, I definitely came in with, you know, no potassium, no calcium, you know, you name it, uh, (coughs) pretty much. Uh, And, and, you know, I was immediately, you know, continuous fluids and IVs and so forth. It definitely... uh, puts an awakening to you when when needed, you know, and sometimes, you know, as you go through this disease, our bodies change just because externally there's things that don't look like there's anything wrong with me. Internally, there, I have other things that are going on that sometimes, you know, they may not match with my external look, you know, uh, and I try not to make that the case either because I'm very outgoing and positive and live my life very strong, you know. Um, but um, Well, and I agree, uh, and I mean, sharing uh, that story and that testimonial is so inspirational, mm-hmm. and you're actually leading us into our final guest of the night because, you know, what happened here is you were able to receive the help you needed, both the medical, the support, and the guidance to do that. And I know my final guest, Mama Rosemary, wants to give one more plea to being a part of why we're doing this whole show tonight versus next week, which is the Spare Rose uh, Save a Child campaign. Welcome to the show, Mama Rosemary. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Um, I know you're a mom living with type 1, and this whole cause was created by parents of children living with type 1. Tell us a little bit more about the Spare Rose Save a Child campaign. Yes, well, my tip this month is to encourage people to take part in that Spare Rose Save a Child campaign. The International Diabetes Foundation estimates that there are almost 500,000 children under 15 years old with type 1 diabetes. Lack of access to insulin remains a common cause of death in their child with diabetes. The Spare spare Rose Save a Child encourages people to take the typical dozen roses, so popular in Valentine's Day, and donate the value of just one rose to help save the life of a child living with diabetes in developing countries. Your generosity would be greatly appreciated, and it's just the cost of one rose that would help a lot of children. So um, that is my tip for tonight and my encouragement for tonight and i will say ciao for now all right well i want to thank all my guests and thank you for listening please subscribe to our divabetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org now we're going to listen to one more song by our diva inspiration for february tamar brown this is a chance you can take